we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 4th, 2015. We're going to be playing part three here of the uh, Nightline video from ABC regarding the Church of Wells and then a couple other videos and then getting more. I mean, again, I'm just really scratching the surface, but in order to do, to do the study, I knew I was going to have to really go all the way. I really needed to do a very lengthy, complete study um, because if if a member of this church is is listening to this, they're going to need a lot of convincing. They're going to need a lot of biblical convincing. And that's what I'm trying to, to give here. Um, so, let's go ahead and play part three. This is day four. Andy and Patty Grove travel between Arkansas and Texas almost monthly to look for their daughter, Catherine, who quit her job to move to Wells a year ago. And this is Jacob Gardner's house. He's one of the three elders. Initially, the Groves had supervised visits with their daughter, but that was short-lived. For all the unanswered questions, we do know this. It seems that Catherine left this house, the home of a church member, in the dead of night last November, and that church member called police. Hello? Concerned Catherine wasn't dressed properly for the weather. Hey, Mr. Security Camp Sheriff's Office, how can we help you today? We just had a, had a concern for uh, one of our friends. Her name is Catherine Grove. Okay. She got upset, and she, uh, she kind of left. The man on the phone here is the same man who stood silently the first night we arrived. Are you guys with the church? He is actually the deacon of the church, Richard Trudeau. What caused her to get us man? We were having a conversation with her uh, in the scriptures. She was in the woods because she wanted to be left alone by whom? Pretty much by everybody, but yes, it started out with a disagreement with some of the church members. Captain Raffield has had numerous conversations with Catherine where she has stated she does not want to see her parents. Evidently, they hadn't fully um, sunk in the brainwashing at that point, and she still had some um, coherent thinking patterns left in her, and, you know, I don't exactly know what was said, but obviously she had some fight left in her at that point. But what you see with all of these church members across the board is the fight's all gone. The fight's all gone regarding the cult. They're, 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 they're there for the interim. They're there for the the long haul. They're they're their hook, line, and sinker anymore. And it's almost like this this universal when you see these people, it's like it looks like a group of people that have lost their will to live. To me. It's what it looks like. You know? And most likely living in absolute abject fear that they're gonna lose their salvation with any misstep at all. Um, because God's just waiting there to snatch it away. Any second, because, you know, that's how God is. He, he takes a lot of pleasure in doing that. And if you don't walk the straight and narrow... Now, I understand the Bible says that, you know, enter ye at the straight gate, for narrow is the way and lead to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Okay? But the way to Jesus Christ is very, very clear in Scripture. Okay? That doesn't mean it's workspace. Yes, works will follow. But I'm looking at this church, and I'm thinking, what really good fruit are they producing? They're, I mean, what are we seeing here? Are we seeing good fruit manifesting? 
And are they truly being persecuted for righteousness sake? Or are they bringing a lot of this on themselves as a badge of honor? Particularly with the street preaching. So, again, we're just really scratching the surface at this point. We're going to look at this more in totality during the course of this whole study. Woods, because she wanted to be left alone by whom? Pretty much by everybody, but yes, it started out with a disagreement with some of the church members. Captain Raffield has had numerous conversations with Catherine where she has stated she does not want to see her parents. She initially expressed interest in, you know, going to the women's shelter. But as we sat there and, and talked, and, and she decided that she would just go to another member's house. She is 26 years old. Well, by going back to another member's house, the brainwashing cycle just started back. She would have been much better off going to a woman's shelter, getting out of there, getting back to her parents, and getting out from underneath this abject brainwashing, demonic system that she is in. She has been asked, does she want to leave, and has repeatedly decided to stay. But that's their teaching, the doctrine of judgment. It's spiritual. required for salvation. Yes, the, the, to be terrified. To if you don't, publicly. God's going to kill you. She, so if she goes off the property, God's going to kill her. You know, because I really read that a lot in the Bible, that, you know, you better stay with this particular group. It's one thing to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But we're talking about, you know, you stray from this particular cult teaching, you're going to die. Well, that's what a lot of cults do to keep their members under their thumb. A lot of them do that. That's a very common satanic tactic. Person of faith before this? Absolutely. Yes. Very strong. So she was religious. She was a person of faith before this. She was saved before this. You could look at her, her countenance, and almost tell. You know what I mean? I mean... Tell she's saved. It's like, but now they've got her convinced in this cult ideology, this this theology or whatever, and 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 um, it's just it's really tragic. I suspect that's uh, the bottom to why she's here. I think she was misled, and she she's wrapped up into something that she's finding it very difficult to get out of. You want to talk to her, buddy? I can try. As we continue our search with the Groves, we run into the wife of Sean Morris, one of the elders. Preethi. Hi, Preethi. Preethi joined the Church of Wells in November, and she was married to Sean in January. Catherine was in the wedding party. Will you please tell me about Catherine? Please? Tell us how she Please is. tell me about Catherine. No comment. No, it's Preethi. Can't, can't tell her anything. Can't give... Can't throw the parents any little bone. Can't tell her if she's dead, alive, if she's doing okay. Because that would be a sin, obviously. To have the compassion to communicate with her Christian parents how their daughter's doing. Because that's very evil to do such a thing. To convey a little bit of information about their precious daughter. It's so much more Christian to ignore her and say no comment and to let the parents agonize further. That's that's Christian in the Church of Wells. Do you see the hypocrisy here? It's maddening to watch this. Please, I'm Catherine's mother. I saw the pictures. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. She just turns and ignores her and walks away. Wow, now that is some really serious agape Christian love. You know, that is that is what the scripture is all about. That's having a real heart of charity there. 
Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance, the whole fruits of the spirits. It's all exemplified in her basically not being, not saying anything about this, this, um, Catherine at all and just turning, walking away and ignoring them. It's so Christian. I mean, this should be an example to all my listeners. This is how we want to treat people. And, and this is truly the Christian path. As we did with other churchmen. I mean, these people are so nice, too, in the way they're going about it. They're not going there in some kind of evil, confrontational way saying, Hey, get over here! I'm going to wring your neck. They're not doing that. They're being as nice as they can be. And still having the old door slammed in their face. We let Preeti walk away as we continue our search. No and compassion. just as we're about to call it a day, Jake Gardner, one of the three elders, bikes right by us. You'll talk to kids at a high school, you won't talk to me? No, of course not. What's going on? Let's get in the car. Come on. No. It's so much more Christian just to ignore people. When they ask you a question, it's so it's so much better. It's it's just the it's just really the Christian way. I'm learning a lot today. I'm learning a lot how I need to act. You know, just this is really great biblical uh, biblical study and how you treat other people. Uh, he's biking pretty fast. Got to get away. Jake, I don't understand why you will preach to children at a high school unsolicited, but you won't talk to me. Why not? Why won't you talk to me? No comment. You're in a public place, Jake. We can film you. Poor Jake. He's being persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what he thinks. They all think that. They're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. No, you're doing a lot of evil stuff, and there's a lot of people that are very upset about it, and they're calling you out on it. They want to know the truth. But you don't want it. You don't feel it, though you need to even give them an answer. They're beneath you. They're not even worth your time because you're so much better. You're so much holier than thou. He literally stopped his bike quick enough to where I'm, I'm thinking he was really wanting them to ram into him. And, and I guess then he could say he was being persecuted for righteousness' sake there. And he's saying, I don't want to be filmed. Jake, you're in a public place. We can film you. He knows what his rights are. The, the, the ABC film guy, he's in a public place. Come on, Jacob, please talk to us. They're not being mean. They're not like, hey, dirtbag, pull off the road. We've got a few choice words for you. They're, they're not doing that. Jake, you're in a public place. You're a street preacher. You go out in public places and you say things to people that they don't want to hear. Why won't you talk to us? This is what happens when you let a bunch of novices start a church up and start their own little cult theology. This is the fruit. Thou art an offense unto me. Oh, good. Let's get really holier than thou and start quoting scripture because you're so much better. What do you mean by that? Lord, rebuke you. You savor not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. <laughs> and he says it with no emotion. You know, I get quoting scripture to the devil and stuff like that. But you know what, dude? You deserve to be under this kind of scrutiny. You brought this all on yourself, okay? Yet you act like you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake when that's the farthest thing from the truth. Can you judge whether somebody's been saved? Whether any of the people in this car have been saved? How come you won't answer any of my questions? Because he's better than you. If you're proud of your faith and you profess it in the streets and you, prof you profess it to I children... 
But why won't no comment? You why no comment? And what a bold, bold testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure Jesus Christ is so proud of Jake and the rest of these elders. With that, this elder of the Church of Wells, a man around whom so many questions continue to swirl, bikes away and steadfastly refuses to answer any of them. You promised me that we could speak with Catherine when she was baptized, and that has never happened. Okay, so he lied to him about that. Once Catherine was baptized, he, they could speak to them, the parents, okay? That's a lie. They won't let him do that. So they're, they're, now they're just not honoring what they said they're going to do, which is typical behavior from this cult. I'm still waiting to speak with my own daughter. He doesn't care. He has no compassion on, on you, even though he has your daughter now under his control, under his grip. He doesn't care. It's, you know what I really get, comes across to me about this cult? There is zero mercy and zero compassion on anybody outside the cult. There is none. There is no zero mercy or compassion on the parents. There's no zero mercy or compassion upon any unsaved people that they may come in contact with. It's just like they're going through the motions. It's like they, they, they've been, all the mercy and compassion has been sucked out of them. It's disgusting. I don't know how he, I don't know how these people go to sleep at night. I couldn't treat people this way left East Texas, we noticed something. Remember this day when we encountered those women who ran into a shed? There among them is Catherine Grove. They had to get away and they, they, they went back and they re-looked at their tape and these women were fleeing to a shed when, the, when ABC was coming and, and she's one of them. She was the first one to go in there. She's, she's a card-carrying member of the cult now and, and, and she's going to do exactly what they tell her to do. The Groves and so many others are still holding out hope. I miss you, honey. Nobody's upset with you, honey. We just love you and miss you and want you to come and share your life with us and come home. If I had a chance to see Brett right now, I'd hug him. And I'd say, you're my son, I'll always love you, and you're always welcome home. We love you. Sounds like really evil, evil, wicked parents that are going to drag their children straight to hell and cause them to lose their salvation with any contact. I mean, I can understand why the Church of Wells is doing this. You know, I really can. Maybe it has to do with the control freak nature of this cult. Knowing that they might start to get some sense in them when they got some outside contact and start the, their senses start to come back and they might break free from the cult. Could that be the reason why they're not letting them have any contact? That's the exact reason. Satan knows this and this is why he has implanted it into these cult members that they cannot have outside contact. I'm not saying you couldn't have bad outside contact, but these are not. I mean, these people are just like their family. You know, I mean, th these were the ones that raised them, that brought them up and stuff. They just want to have some contact with them. It, this is just maddening and, to me. And um, we really want you to come back. Everybody misses you and. We just know that at some point you're going to come home and we'll be there for you. No matter what has happened in the past, we love them. We miss them. We would love to have them back in our lives. You know, there's this is where I see compassion and mercy. The poor family members. I see no compassion from the Church of Wells whatsoever. None. 
which is to me absolutely beyond maddening because it's like, aren't you supposedly the most biblical church on the planet? Aren't you supposed to be of your father, Jesus Christ, full of mercy and compassion? I don't see any of it. Yet I see it in abundance with your family members. Here's a family holding up signs. Miranda, we love you and miss you very much. Come home soon. All the little kids have their own little signs. We love you, Eric and Miranda, Benjamin. I mean, none of the family members are even heaping condemnation on them. Even though all the family members have heard is that they're terrible and they're going to hell. I think they have been remarkable in their ability not to basically turn their backs on you and say, you know what? How dare you say I'm going to hell? How dare you condemn me? And in your sanctimonies holier than thou, whatever you've adopted. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying no matter what's been said to them by the Church of Wells, by their, their strange family members, these people are still full of compassion and mercy. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Then the guy flips the card. He says, family is like a puzzle. When one piece is missing, it's not complete. I mean, this is pitiful. This is just pitiful. So, that's, uh, there's another part to it, but it's it's a lot of it's redundant. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play um, uh, this video. Parents say Church of Wells is brainwashing their daughter. This is a little more reiteration. Imagine this. A mom and dad are desperately hoping their daughter will come home. They say the Church of Wells that she joined is brainwashing her and holding her against her will. Here now is Nicole Bell with our affiliate KETK in Texas. The number you are trying to call is not reachable. That's the only thing Patty and Andy Grove hear when they try to call their daughter. 26-year-old nursing student Catherine Grove disappeared from her home in Fayetteville, Arkansas on July 2nd. After endless attempts to reach their daughter, finally, almost a week later, they hear her voice. When she first called us on July 7th, it was around 11.30. Okay, this is the same parents that were were um, just tooling around Wells with the ABC team, trying to just get anybody to talk with them. Very nice people, and this is the same parents. At night, um, she said, I'm in Wells, Texas. I'm with a group of people that are taking good care of me. And she goes, but Mom and Dad, I can't listen to you anymore. I have to keep my hands over my ears, and I can only listen to my elders. Can't, can't, Got to keep the hands over the ears, because you can't have one word that might get through and pierce that satanic hold that they have over you. You 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 can't risk one word. I got to put my hands over my ears. This is how brainwashed they have done. You know, this is so so biblical. I mean, I, there's a lot of instances in the Bible where you can see people going up that have been saved, so afraid of their own parents that they have to hold their hands over their ears lest they might get corrupted and lose their salvation. You know, that's what the Bible is all about. That's what true Bible believing Christianity, saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, is really all about. And um, that was alarming to us. That alarming phone call prompted Patty and Andy Grove to come to Wells and figure out what was going on with their daughter. We've been here uh, over eight weeks, and uh, every day is a, the same the same task. We go around town uh, interviewing people, looking for any information. Eight weeks. 
That's how much they love their daughter. And that's how void of compassion and mercy the Church of Wells is toward their plight. If this isn't the most unchristian treatment of people, I don't know what is. Information where anyone would know where our daughter Catherine uh, might be living. Now living in an RV, Patty and Andy Grove say the only people who know where Catherine is are the members of the Church of Wells. They believe Catherine found this church on the internet and Catherine left Arkansas to become a member. Their endless attempts to contact Catherine landed them at the church's doorstep and they say a young man answered. He steps out and we go, we're Mr. and Mrs. Grove. We're looking for our daughter Catherine Grove. Do you know where she is? And this man came out and brought another man with him, and they both stood in front of us. And their very first words to us were, Mr. and Mrs. Grove, we have reason to believe that you're going to kidnap your daughter, subvert her from our teachings, that we care for her soul, and you don't. The 50s. You know, it's ironic because everything she just said is the exact opposite. Kidnapped. They're the ones that kidnapped her, essentially. After she's brainwashed and subverting her and taking her from her family. It's, it's interesting to me, they're guilty of the very things they're accusing their parents of. Seven-member Evangelical Bible Church is run by three elders, Ryan Ringnald, Jacob Gardner, and Sean Morris. They say Catherine's salvation to the Lord is fueling her decision not to see her family. Oh, it has nothing to do with their brainwashing rhetoric, I'm sure. Nothing at all. Christ calls a man if he has his um, allegiance. This is one of the elders, I think, Jake. To his family, first of all, or to his job, first of all, or to his earthly possessions and riches, first of all, that allegiance needs to be cut. It must be severed. That man cannot truly bow the knee in worship and adoration and true... So salvation is based on works. Is what he's saying. You have to do this, do this, and do this, or you're really not saved. And you got to do it our way because we're really wise elders in this church who have made many, many false prophecies who are bearing ridiculously rotten fruit because obviously we know the best way service to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Groves believe the church has coerced her and are holding her against her will. The only contact the Groves have had with their daughter has been limited. When she says she doesn't want to see her family, we say, okay, amen, we're not going to force you. But when she says, I do want to see my family, we say, okay, praise God. Oh, give me a break. What a lie from the pit of hell. Just the other morning, she said, is that why they've done everything they could do to keep her from seeing them? And not even, I mean, the common decency to even say, hey, listen, Catherine, they've been out there eight weeks. Okay, listen, could you at least go talk to them, have some common courtesy, honor their mother and father? No, 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 no. No, we can't have any of that. We're just going to keep hiding her. We're going to keep letting those those little unsaved devils, Catherine's parents, agonize. We, that's what we're going to do because we're so Christ-like. She wanted to see her family. So we said, okay. We've met with her two times with the elders present. And that they spoke for her, qualified her statements the other two times. with They spoke for her. That's really some freedom. Liberty in Christ, man. they got to speak for her because obviously she's just a meek, frail woman and she doesn't have that ability to speak on her own. No, they want to speak for her because they want to totally control the narrative. With, with a deputy 
present. We have not been able to talk a deputy because these are hardened criminals. These these missionaries are they're, they're her loving parents. They're hardened criminals, and you got to have a policeman involved, obviously. Talk to Catherine by herself openly. After seeking help from local law enforcement, the Groves were told Catherine is an adult and there is nothing more they can do. It's neat because the the outside of the church building, they have all the the the, uh, the uh, windows boarded up and it has that real homey feel to it, you know. But the Groves haven't lost hope. They believe their daughter will come home soon. And joining me now, Kate. They have a the sign out there, Catherine, come home. We love you, Mom and Dad. I know. I imagine it's in Wells somewhere. I mean, how much more like loving could her parents be? They're trying to do this as gently as they can, but again, mercy and compassion have no place in the Church of Wells. ETK reporter Nicole Vowell joins me from Texas. Nicole, first off, what's and again, how many people are going to get saved from watching this wonderful church and the way that they treat both their parents and the world? I mean, you know, I know I. If I wasn't saved, I would really want to go towards something like this and get converted and, you know, get into the whole mind control, um, you know, thing that's going on there. I mean, I, I would see nothing in there that would make me to do nothing but detest what I'm seeing as an unsaved person. Strikes me the most about that piece. My first reaction, those elders, so to speak, are so young. You've been digging into this story. Novices, not elders, novices. What have you learned about the Church of Wells? Well, absolutely. Lynn, they are only in their 20s. Um, There are three elders that you heard there, Sean Morris, Ryan Ringnold, and Jacob Gardner, in their early 20s, mid-20s. And, you know, that's alarming to a lot of people who live in this area. Now, uh... Now, I, I should mention that... This- and the whole church, just so you know, I just looked at their most current picture up on the website, their website, and the church is growing. They're getting more cult members. And the big thing that strikes you is I think there was one guy that looked like he was in his 50s. Everybody else is like the same age. They're all incredibly young. They look like they're in their most early 30s to 20s to late teens. And then, you know, the babies and stuff and and the children. And that's the thing that strikes you. It's like, wow, there really is no elder direction here. And again, that's a big reason why this has went so far off the rails. Things are out of order biblically. You would never, I would almost guarantee you, you would never have somebody this young in the, in, like, in apostolic days saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm an elder, I'm this or I'm that. It's so out of place, out of order. When you look at their pictures and it's like, what is this? I've never seen anybody claiming an elder that was this young, much less three guys that all look like the same age. This is not the first time that this, this church has been in the news last year. Uh, this same church, uh, they were, uh, they uh, prayed over a three-day-old baby instead of seeking medical attention for that baby, um, and that baby later died. And now that investigation is actually still ongoing; it's still happening right now. Now that's this is not the first time that this this church has been in the news. And you know, as you can see, you saw the church itself in that in my story, and uh, just the out it's the exterior of the church raises some concerns to people. Boarded windows. Uh, things of that nature. Um, what I have learned about the church in itself is, first of all, it's not a 501c3. Um, and 
Which is probably about the only thing they've done right that I can see. And I'm sure they use the King James Bible. But, you know, anyway, go. let's go ahead. It's People use the term church very lightly. Um, it's known in the community. Um, to other people uh, associate it with occult behavior and things of that nature. Okay, we also want to note that the FBI cannot confirm or deny that there's an investigation into this church, but the Grove family says there is an active investigation. So we are going to continue to follow this. We do appreciate you, Nicole, giving us an update on this. So the big question here, is it a church or is it a cult? And are they brainwashing their members? I'm going to ask one of the church elders. I will speak with them exclusively along with Catherine Groves' desperate parents. That's going to be tomorrow on Evening Express. Okay, so that's that particular video clip. Now let's play the last one. This one I'm just going to play to about five, a little over five minutes. We go around town uh, interviewing people, looking for any information where anyone would know where our daughter Catherine uh, might be living. That allegiance needs to be cut. He steps out, and we go, we're Mr. and Mrs. Grove. And their very first words to us were, we have reason to believe that you're going to kidnap your daughter. We care for her soul, and you don't. There's a lot of slanders like that we're cutting people off from the families. We care for your daughter and you don't. How dare you have the audacity to sit in judgment of these people that obviously care for their parents. Stayed in town this one time, eight weeks. It's the whole reason they're there doing it, trying to do it as Christ-like as possible. But you have the absolute satanic audacity to accuse them of saying, we care for her and you don't. Man, I tell you, this is this is just so unbelievably Christian. How the Church of Wells acts, I tell you, they are they are a bastion of how we need to act as Christians. It's not true. There's a division in the family because the heart change has has caused that. Oh, so it has nothing to do with all the brainwashing that you're doing to your cult members. That has nothing to do. They're all doing this of their own accord, even though they're totally coached. And when this poor girl has appeared um, to make a statement or whatever to her parents, they are the ones that talked for her because there's such a heart change. You know, they have to do all the talking for that makes a lot of sense. Trying to call is not reachable. Is not reachable. Is not reachable. It has been two months, more than two months. The Catherine Gross parents have been camping out, literally in an RV, just trying to see their daughter. And Catherine Grove has been missing since July when she left her Arkansas home to join a controversial church in Texas. Her parents are pleading to see her and are fighting to rescue their daughter from what they call is brainwashing. But along every step, these desperate parents have had doors shut in their face. Can you tell me when the last time it was that you spoke with your daughter and what she said? Yes, the last time we spoke with her was on the phone, August 26. It was about a three-hour phone calls back and forth between uh, my husband Andy and Jacob Gardner and Catherine and... We never were able to meet because the Church of Wells has a criminal trespass uh, warning uh, against us to be able to step on any of their properties. And so. How Christ like to bring a criminal trespass warning against these parents who, for all they know, 
was a, a basically abducted by this cult, obviously brainwashed, and they have the audacity to bring a criminal trespass, to get the law involved, because these are obviously hardened criminals, missionaries that uh, have a lot of love for their daughter and, and, and are just totally perplexed and confused about what's going on. But their Christ-like behavior dictates to get a criminal trespass against them. I'd say that's as Christ-like as you could get. They insisted that we come to their properties to see Catherine, but um, under the advice of the Sheriff's Department, we were not willing to do that because we didn't want to have any, you know... Any problem with the law, exactly. Well, what did Catherine say to you during those three hours that you were trying to communicate back and forth? That she wanted to see us. Um, at, At first, she arranged to meet with us when we just talked to her herself. About 20 minutes after speaking to her, she called us back and said that she was not allowed to meet us anywhere else except Jacob Gardner's house. Now, you see the progression of the brainwashing. This was very early on. And at first, she wanted to see him. Then she called him back 20 minutes. She probably got read the riot act in that little time period and said, oh, no, we can't, we got to do it under these parameters. We have to be able to control the narrative. People that are in cults want to control the narrative. They want to get you on their battleground. I told you about that Jehovah Witness guy when I was a, kind of a baby Christian that he did some work for me on my computers. He said, I just want to do one thing. want you to do one thing for me to pay me back. And I'm like, well, he said, I want you to come to my house and bring your Bible. And at the time, I think I had like a living or an NIV or something. And we're just going to do a little Bible study. So I go to his house, this Jehovah Witness guy, and this is a guy that that um, absolutely 100% was committed to his cult, and very, very good, knew how to take a, a baby Christian, twist them around, get them um, twisted up in all of their weird theology, took me to some remote verses in the Old Testament, and based his whole argument to destroy my faith in Christianity based on some obscure verses in the Bible, tried to get me to start thinking that Michael the Archangel was Jesus. Okay, Which I think they believe, I don't know if they believe that Michael and Jesus are like brothers or something. I, I forget. The Mormons believe that like, yeah, it, it's, they both believe that there's this um, very, very, very cultic in their views. And they've got to always do something to get you to question the deity of Jesus Christ. Because, obviously, our salvation centers around him. So if you were Satan, you would want to get, the first thing you'd want to do if you were a cult, is start getting people to start having a warped view of Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, this guy cleaned my clock, you know, and, and really got me questioning Things and really started getting my head tied up in knots, and um, I got myself straightened out. The Lord got me straightened out from this guy, and it was my one of my first lessons as a baby Christian on don't play by their games, don't go and try to argue their doctrine. You go for the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, and there's so many eight hundred pound gorillas when it comes to Jehovah Witness or Mormonism or whatever. I've done separate studies on these, just key them into the search box at contendingfortruth.com. You don't try to argue little doctrinal issues where they're gonna um bring up some obscure verse of scripture and try to get you to destroy your faith through that. Okay? And it really was a good lesson for me to learn right off the bat. You don't go, I mean, I'm on his, I'm in his house. Big mistake. I'm where the devil has an absolute total right to be. On his house, on his property, his house, 
his cultic view system, demons and devils all around me, using a false Bible as a baby Christian. I was, I was destined to have my clock cleaned. But God showed me the falsity of it. But I needed some time to get away and have God work on me. And I mean, back then I wasn't even reading the KJV, which was really a hindrance to me. Nor did I really have a, a spiritual mentor that, that could help me out here. And um, the Lord showed me the truth about them. And that is a big reason, I think, that ultimately I ended up starting this ministry. So to keep other people from falling into cults. Uh, because I know I've been there, done it. And so this is what's going on here. They, they've got to be able to just cloister you off, control the narrative, brainwash you at every step of the way. It's imperative that they have total, absolute, vice-like control over your mind. So you've never asked her why she wanted to join this church in the times that you've talked to her? We've never had, we've never had enough time to be able to be with her, to talk with her, and... Uh, these leaders will say that we've spent 30 hours in conversation with Catherine with them. That is not correct. Well, they're liars. They, I've, I've seen this over and over again. They promise they're going to do something, and they, then they lie about it. Well, you know, that's funny. I don't really see a lot of Bible for lying about stuff like this. You know? That's, that's like really gets me to start questioning, again, fruit. Why would you tell a blatant lie, and why would you have no conscience about telling that blatant lie? Well, because it's for the greater good. No, we're not supposed to go around lying like a rug, or lying through our teeth, in order to justify whatever little trick we're trying to pull off. You know, I know it's difficult, but the Sheriff's Department says there's no evidence that your daughter was kidnapped or that she's being held against her will, and that's a fact that deputies verified three times by speaking to her directly away from anyone associated with the Wells congregation. You know, Catherine is an adult. Well, once she was brainwashed enough, she parroted whatever she was told. What can be done, really, at this point if she's not being held against her will? Well, we, we've never said that she was kidnapped. We have never said she was kidnapped. That was what they said to us on our first um, encounter with them. They accused us of wanting to kidnap her. Isn't that ironic? The very thing they're guilty of, which I would absolutely say they're guilty of kidnapping her, is the very thing they're accusing them of, which is a very common satanic tactic. You know, if you got the spotlight on you, if, if you're um, in that position and you're the one that's guilty, and you're the one that's the liar. No, no, what you do is you accuse the other person of the very thing you're guilty of, to get the spotlight off yourself. It's a very common tactic. I've had many people pull that on me in my life. And we had never even met them before, never talked to them, and those were their first words to us. We feel like she is being controlled and told what to say and what to do. But Andy, she is an adult. She is 26 years old. She says she doesn't want to leave when she was asked by deputies. So as a dad, that may be difficult and devastating to hear. But is there really anything that you can do about that? We don't know if there's anything we can do about it. We, we think the whole situation is, is very, very odd. Uh, every family member that's come to town seeking to have an opportunity to speak to Catherine uh, is not permitted to do so. Even a, a, a friend, uh, the, a, one of Catherine's uh, very best friends for over 16 years, 
was not permitted to speak face to face. In fact, uh, there was an arrangement to to speak over cell phone on the condition that uh, that Catherine's friend remain silent and not say a word and only listen to Catherine speak. That was wow! That. What freedom and liberty in Christ, and and I love all of these parameters, these satanic parameters that these wonderful elders impose upon Catherine. Hey, if they're doing this to her, they're doing it to everyone else too. I mean, you know, this is this is how they act. This is standard procedure. This is not the exception. This is the rule. This is how they rule and maintain control in the cult. The condition of, of to be able to be in touch with her. And during the conversation, this young man said to Catherine, Catherine, you're not sounding very believable. Do you remember when we practiced a little while ago? You need to say it like that, Catherine. I have no doubt. Did you hear what she just said? The guy that was coaching her on the phone said, Hey, Catherine, you're not sounding too believable. You need to practice it like we did a few minutes ago or whatever. If that's not satanic, I don't know what is. Totally being coached, totally parroting whatever she's being told, because if she doesn't, obviously she's going to burn in hell forever. Because only the Church of Wells has this figured out. And her salvation hinges upon adhering to every single little tiny point that they brainwash into her head. And again, you can apply this right across the board to everyone else in the cult. No difference. It's just that she is the one that has received the most attention because her parents have been the most vocal about going there and trying to get um, some type of face-to-face meeting. So... She's the one we're hearing about most of all. Not whatsoever that Catherine knows that her family loves her, that her friends love her. Uh, We have no idea uh, how it would be possible for Catherine to want to isolate herself from, from virtually every family member and friends. We want to tell Catherine that we love her very much, um, that we miss her very much, and all we want to do is talk with you, Catherine, and spend some time with you by just you and us. you got to feel for these parents, obviously, a difficult thing for them to deal with. They, they won't even let her do that. I guess they're so insecure, these elders, that they're going to lose another convert because they're, they're obviously their they're own, what they're basing this off is just this control freak mentality. And they know deep down that this isn't based on Christ-like love. It's not based on mercy and compassion. And they are so afraid, I believe, deep down on a satanic level. Satan would be afraid. The demons and devils that are controlling this cult are so afraid that if she actually saw some real compassion, some real mercy, she might start to remember that from her parents. And she might start thinking, you know, I haven't felt that feeling in so long. I haven't had that wonderful, beautiful feeling of unconditional love by my family in so long. And you know what? I almost forgot what it felt like. I've been so brainwashed for so long, so thinking I'm going to go to hell if I even step out of line just a little bit. And you know what? I'm starting to get my eyes open. They can't have that. I've been... I've been in control freak relationships before. Not so much like this church, but in control freak relationships before. And I know that evil people seek to destroy any relationship you would have with anybody that would be close to you, like in your family and things like that. 
People that, whether they're saved or unsaved, care about you. And they know that. They seek to cause division between them. So that, so that you, you, you don't even have any type of contact. And if you have no type of contact, then you're totally reliant upon the control freak. Whether it's a cult, whether it's a person. That is what evil people do. This is not Christ-like, any of this. This is absolute, total insanity. Alright, let's go further. I'm just getting started. We're just getting started on this. You, We haven't even heard half of what I'm going to be getting into. This is going to progress. So if, if you're not convinced at this point, please, stick around. Because this is just, I'm starting with the mild stuff. Okay, we're going to actually get to the heavy-duty stuff later. Uh, Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. One of the most universal things I saw in all of these videos is absolutely no joy in anybody in this church. You can go around, I heard they go around the streets and sing songs like at one in the morning, which is really creepy. And you can do all of this stuff to put on this facade of joy, but I can take one look at you. I saw joy of the Lord on Catherine in the pictures before she went into this cult. After, I see no joy of the Lord. You can tell by a person's countenance. I see no joy of the Lord. You can, you can take a nice picture, Church of Wells, all your church members, everybody smiling on your webpage and all of this stuff, and you know what? It's a facade. You're all totally terrified that if you step out of line of your little cult that you're in, you're going to go and you're going to burn in hell because you have no security in Christ. Your faith has been stolen from you. Your faith is in what you do. It's in whatever works you can perform. It's in not stepping out of line. That's where your faith is. It's not in the blood of Jesus Christ anymore. And we're going to get into that too. We're going to get into Bible verses dealing with that later. So of course you're not going to have any joy of the Lord. I've been caught up at certain times in um, my Christianity where I was starting to get pulled into those works-based, you're going to lose your salvation any second, gain it back any second. I've been in those situations. I know what that feels like. You are miserable. You are absolutely, totally miserable. When you think, I'm going to lose my salvation one minute and I'm going to gain it the next. And I don't mean you can go out and live like the devil for the rest of your life and have no conscience of... Uh, consciousness of or conviction of sin and that you're still saved, okay? But there's a lot of cults out there that are absolutely operating on that principle where you're going to lose your salvation. You better you better stay in line. You better not even think about strain. You better stay with this cult because we're the only path. We're the only way. This is the only theology on the planet that is going to get you to heaven. And the thing you have to ask yourself the question, okay, I, I, I talked with this about a preacher one time, when I was kind of starting to get pulled into one of these cult-like movements, okay, and I talked with a preacher who I respected, who was familiar with this cult-like movement, and he told me, he said, and this totally cleared it up for me, he said, ask yourself this question, Scott, he said, if all you ever had was the Bible, okay, the Word of God, the King James Bible, the, the, the notions that you've come to, that this cult-like theology has put in your head, that's getting you to doubt your salvation, 
getting you living in fear all the time. Now, I'm not talking about not having fear of God. I'm talking about fear that I'm saved one day and I'm not saved the other. Okay? Then you're getting into works. Okay? He said, this theology that you, that you're, has got you so messed up, that, that, that has got you thinking, save one day, I'm not the other. If I don't do this, I'm going to hell. If I do this, I'm, you know. He said, would you have ever come to that conclusion on your own if you were on this planet and all you ever had was that Bible? Would you have ever come to that conclusion on your own reading the Bible, is what the question was. And I'm like, no. What did it take? Oh, it took about a three or 400 page book of twisting my mind and convincing me that this is the only way, that this is the true way, yet there's been like hardly anyone else that's ever come to that conclusion. So then you have to ask yourself, well then, who's been saved? Only the ones in history that have ever come to that conclusion? What rank audacity and what an affront to the blood of Jesus Christ that is. That helps straighten a lot of things out for me when I realize that. And I tell people that who, who maybe start getting mixed up in things. Would you ever come to the conclusion that you're getting? This is why I'm so big on kind of staying away from a lot of these Christian books, particularly if they're trying to get you into some type of cult mentality or theology. Would you ever come to that conclusion on your own if you just have the Word of God with you? And most of the time, it's going to be, no, it took a big, huge book to convince me of that. Hebrew Roots Movement is a great, great uh, thing. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, you, you would have never come to their, their crazy, zany, nutty, outer space conclusions. No, it took, it took the Book of Mormon, it took the Pearl of Great Price, it took all of these other false prophets within the movement in order to get me to from point A to point B. Point B being, basically, I'm earning my way to wherever I think I'm going. Use that as a test. For any time you're getting messed up about things, stick with the Word of God. So, and, and anyway, I, I guess you can see, I've been there, done it with a lot of different things. I've had my, I've had my share of this type of garbage. I've never been in this kind of cult setting. I would never let myself get, Lord, the Lord never let me go this far into anything. But I've had my taste of this type of garbage. And that's why I'm so adamant about this teaching that I'm doing today and these other cults I have exposed in the past. I don't want to see people brought into this type of works-based garbage. So, I've run out of time for part four. I'm going to have to upload all these teachings into my computer and then come back with a fresh uh, recorder. And um, i still got about ten pages left. So... Um, God bless you, and we will see you in part five.